If you've been thinking about discipleship groups, we are going to kick off what we call our second generation. So this is the second year that we've gone through uh, the Bible. We're going to go through the Bible in 46 weeks. Yes, that is a lot. Okay, 46 weeks. Um, if you if you're like Kristen on that video and you you want to know more about God's word, may I invite you? You still have time. Okay, I'm still making the schedules for the groups and when they can meet and what they can do. And if you want to know some inf- more information about meeting for a discipleship group, um, reading. Uh, the Bible through in a year. Uh, you come and see me after church, and I know I've talked to some of you, many of you, say, Matt, my schedule is just so nuts. Uh, I work a night, then I work a morning, and it's very difficult for me to meet with a group. Okay, I heard you. Uh, so we decided to do something that would fit your schedule. Ready? So with me doing this, those of you that have talked to me need to do this, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to make our reading plans, okay? The, how we're going to do our reading. We're going to make those available in the lobby, so if you want to read along with us and stay on track with us where we're reading at per week, uh, you'll have all of the verses that we, all the books that we read, and you'll have a memory verse every week. Uh, you won't have to be responsible for going to a group, but you can read God's Word. Uh, quite frankly, I think that there needs to be a lot more people in God's Word. So I'm not going to be up here this, this morning uh, in between Christmas and New Year's. By the way, this is, this is stereotypically the second hardest weekend to get people to come to church, so you should be applauded. Okay, you're, you can't applaud yourself, so I applaud you. Okay, so here's the deal. The other one, we, we, don't, have, we don't have evening services, but the other one you probably do know, uh, it comes up in February, um, Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl is a very well not attended <laughs> Sunday at church. But we have a lot of students that are here. We have a lot of students that are home on college. They're, they're away, they're visiting family, they're traveling. I know that I traveled out of state this week, um, so I understand it. Uh, but here's, here's the deal. I don't know the last time that you, that you talked about this, but maybe Christmas in your house, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't have kids, but maybe your, your Christmas experience this year was just absolutely awesome. And that's, that's, that's fantastic. I want, I, I just want, I'm not going to, as a pastor, this is one of the most difficult Sundays to actually give a message um, because um, there's a lot of people that you come in contact with either here in the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock or even listening online that did not have a great Christmas. There's a lot of people that have a lot of hurt. There's a lot of people that have a lot of pain. Maybe they feel loneliness. Even I, I felt, and I I love my in-laws greatly, but there were times in this this last week that I felt a little bit lonely. Um, And uh, I just saw you. I just want to say I love you, Clyde. Um, We're going to, in a very, uh, that's an important thing. At the very end of this message, I want to give you something at the end of the service today. Um, did you know that during Christmas time, it's not always good, and, and, there's some, and there's some bad, and there's some very hard times, and there's loneliness, and there's different things that you, depression is a big one that we go through. Um, I, want, I want to share with you something, and I want you to take this with a grain of salt if you need to. Ready? It doesn't matter where, whether you had the happiest of, of Christmas or you had the worst of Christmas. Based on your experience of Christmas, it doesn't affect the fact that God's Son did come. You can't change that. You can't change the fact that God sent His Son. Now, we're going to talk about being in, uh, in, at the end of our service, we're going to have a a special prayer service because um, in the last week we have had a member of our church family involved in a very, uh, very tragic accident. And uh, it's really uh, just a mix of a whole bunch of different things and emotions inside me and I'm not even directly uh, blood relation to these people but uh, (sighs) I serve a God that spoke the world into being I serve a God that in scripture you can look at that when the Jewish Israelites thought that they were, they were at their end and the Egyptian army was chasing them, Moses turns to the Red Sea on God's command and holds up his arms and he parts an entire sea so that his people could go across and they're saved. I serve a God that when his son, Jesus, was on earth, he had a very dear friend of his die. And he told him before that, he said, he's going to pass away so that the Son of God may be glorified. And he walked up to Lazarus, who's been dead for four days. And he showed emotion. John eleven thirty five 35 says that Jesus wept over his friend. And he went and he said, come forth. 
And I serve a God that not only his son would raise, can raise people from the dead, that he himself gave his life on the cross, was in the ground for three days, and God the Father raised his son from the dead, conquering death, meaning that nothing is impossible with God. And I don't know if you believe that. I don't know if it's the first time you've ever heard that. But I'm telling you right now, the fact that you and I breathe in oxygen and we exhale carbon dioxide is literally a miracle. The fact that we can walk, in, and some of us walk better than others. I get it. I have, I have clumsy days. Okay? Some of us walk better than others. The fact that we have the ability for all of the, all of the nerves, endings, and everything in our body to completely coordinate with each other and mix and match and completely go along with each other so that we can simply just raise our arm is an absolute miracle. And the fact that we, quite frankly, can talk to God. Has it, does it ever amaze you that God does the things that he does through the people that he has to work with? Let me, let me say that one more time. Does it ever amaze you that God gets accomplished what he gets accomplished when he has you and I to work with? I know me. And you know you. And quite frankly, I'm not really batting a thousand for 2019. I don't know, I don't know about you. Maybe you're batting 1,000. You can't bat 1,000 without taking a bat, so you're not batting 1,000 for 2020. It's just a clean, fresh start. So we, we look at the new year. Now, I wrote down some New Year's resolutions that you may or may not have. Okay? Number one, I want to give you some, tax, or some, some investment advice. Uh, Mar- uh, January, February, and March, please defer all money in investments to like Gold's Gym and, and workout places. Withdraw that money by the end of March because it's going to go down. right? Because people have really good intentions, don't they? You know what Americans are really good at? We're really good starters. I am going to get so buff. January 1, pumping iron. January 2nd through 4th, you're sore, like bad sore. You're like, I'm not going back to that gym. It made me so sore. And then on the 5th, you're like, okay, man, it's feeling good. Now, you get to about January 12th, and you go, my biceps have not grown to 20 inches yet. I think I'll stop. We're really good starters. Maybe you want to do better financially. Maybe you want to get out of debt. Maybe you want to join a gym and actually finish the year with your year membership. I know there's no one guilty in here of not doing that. Okay? Maybe you want to eat healthier. I did, I did research. Anybody like? Now, I'm telling you right now. I told you this last week. This is, this is Matt's gospel truth. Reese's that are in shapes, not the, not the cups. Reese's that are in shapes taste better because there's more peanut butter to chocolate proportion. Anybody believe me? Okay, good. These are my people. Now, listen to me. This is what I found out. Did you know that a tree, a Christmas Reese's tree, and an Easter egg, like a Reese's egg, has four grams of protein? So basically, it's like eating a, like a protein shake before you go work out. You slam a half a bag of those babies and go live. <laughs> I don't recommend doing that, Okay. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, though, if you, as you get older, it's like, do I want to eat that? Because that's going to spend like this many times or this much distance running or lifting, right? Uh, so this, this year, maybe you have a whole, lot of, um, a whole lot of different New Year's resolutions or goals. But I remember thinking about the year. Can you believe it? Next year, in a few days, it's the year 2020. Now, I was born in 1980, and yes, if you can do simple math, I'll be 40 this year. Joy for you, I turned 40 on a Sunday. I can't wait for that to happen. Anyway, it's just a number, people. I'm just telling you right now. Now, listen, so I, I uh, but I remember growing up when I, was, when, I, when I was younger, I used to think, man, 2020, I'll be like 40. And I used, to think, I used to think about that. But the only other things, now I was a kid that was raised on good cartoons. Anybody raised on good cartoons? G.I. Joe, Smurfs? Preferably, anybody like Scooby-Doo and the Jetsons? The Jetsons. Now, I don't think that anybody came to church in a car that went, if you did, it's not a good sign, okay? But the Jetsons have these flying cars, right? And I imagine in 2020 we had these flying cars and, and you know, we, we, could, we could teleport places. Man, that would be so cool. And as I dreamed about those things, about what it would be like in 2020 when I got older, or what science would do and how it would progress, it seems right now that, oh, by the way, anybody have a hoverboard? One of those things that you tip and like you, the kids have hoverboards? Okay, now, I don't know about you, but that's not what I envision a hoverboard as, because I'm a Back to the Futures kid. A hoverboard is a skateboard with no wheels. Now, don't drive it over water, you get in trouble, just talk to Michael J. Fox. Anyway. 
So I'm giving you a whole list of movies you need to watch for New Year's Eve, okay? So uh, Back to the Future, yes, all of them. So we see all these things that, we, that maybe have not come to full fruition and we can't have flying cars yet. And I know that there's stereotypes and prototypes and everything like this. Uh, but, you know, right across the street, the dealership beside Hardy's, currently they don't have any flying cars, I don't think. So one thing that I did notice that is the same, though, is whenever the year that I grew up, from the year that, from the year that I was born, which was in 1980, to this coming year in 2020, um, the population of the earth has, has the, pop, the human population of the earth has constantly, consistently grown. There are more people that live on planet earth than ever have at one time in the history of the world. Are you ready? There's one thing that hasn't changed from however long ago till right now. Never in the entire history of the planet earth has there been an even better time to share the gospel of Jesus. There's more people that live on earth that don't know him every day. Okay, the fact that you have a good Christmas or a bad Christmas or a happy new year or you sit in your, you know, there's a, there's a thing on Facebook right now. I'm still deciding what I'm going to wear on my couch on New Year's Eve. I think that's funny. Uh, if you want to stay home, you stay home. Whatever you do, it does not change. However you live your life, it does not change the fact that Jesus did come so he could die, give his life for us. So I wonder maybe if we stepped into, maybe we stepped into another thing of New Year's resolutions, but I, I wanted to be a little bit open with you. I wanted to share a little bit with you. Um, one, of, one of my every year resolutions or goals is this, that by the end of 2020, I want to have a better relationship with Jesus Christ than I ever have in my entire life. Every year as a, as a follower of Jesus, we should, we should be pushing down on the accelerator of our faith and not on the brake. We should accelerate towards God. Now, what that means is this. Some of you know this. If you, seek to, if you seek to increase and better your relationship with God, the more Satan doesn't like that, so the more things can happen. Some of us have encountered, some of us would rather not remember a whole lot about 2019. Some of us have made some major improvements on our life. Maybe you've kicked some bad habits. Anybody still bite their nails? Me too. Okay, there's no one in here that bites their nails or that wants to be honest. Thank you, my buddy. Me and Lucas, the only two. Okay, so maybe, you, maybe you've done some stuff, but here, here's the deal. I, I really can't push this enough, and it's completely, totally shameless. But if you're, looking, if you're looking to better your relationship with God, you need to read God's word, get a reading plan, or if you have time, get in a discipleship group. It's the, it's the single, we have people, watch this. We have, a, we have a guy in our church that said, hey, my work schedule is not working out with me being in D group this year. So I'm doing a chronological Bible study and reading with my family at home. Hello. And he, he asked me this, he goes, do you think that's okay? Okay. You're reading the Bible at home with your children? Yeah, I think that's pretty okay. We have a, people, we have a, a lady that's doing a, a, a D group with members of her family. Uh, we, have, we have all these different, we have a father doing it with his two boys. Okay, this is a, this is a huge deal. I want to see if you can look back at December 29th of 2020, back to this day, how spiritually different you are. Is it a goal of yours to be closer to Christ? So you have your worship handout, um, and I, I was going to get to the announcements, but, but you, can, you can see them now. So if you open your worship handout all the way up and look in the middle on top, no connect groups, um, no connect groups this week. They, we start next Sunday, next Sunday, okay, the week of the 5th. Um, if you show up to your host group this week, they may or may not be home, but one thing's for sure is they're not looking for you, okay? So I, I know the mistakes happen, no big deal. Um, discipleship groups, we're going to meet as, as a group and go over your rules. I have some of those groups ready, some of them I do not, and it's very difficult trying to mix and match and um, time availability, uh, but seriously, you have this week. If you, if you want to be involved in that, you let me know. And on the very bottom, this week is the last week we're going to take uh, collect money for the Lottie Moon offering. That's offering that physically goes to the hands of missionaries that are internationally uh, sharing the gospel all over the world. Um, so if you, if you fold, that, fold that inner page to cover up the inner page from the right, you have some blanks there. Let's, let's look at the first one. It'll be on the screen, and you can fill it in uh, if, you, if you'd like to follow along. What does God want you to work on for 2020? You know, Matt, I would rather just cruise into this new year, enjoy the time that I have. Can I just be really, really, really blunt and really honest with you? You don't know how much time that you have, and you don't know how important the message is that you have that you need to share. 
What does God want you to work on? Now, I'm not a, I am not, not, if something goes wrong with your vehicle, do not call me unless you want me to call someone else. Okay, but I am a big enough mechanic that I can tell you this. If your car or truck or vehicle of whatever you're, you drove comes into the parking lot and it sounds like this, I would say, hey, you probably need to not drive anymore. We're almost at the extent of my, of my mechanical knowledge already, okay? So I would say, hey, stop. What would you say? You'd say, well, I need to get that worked on. Okay, we fix things all the time. If the battery goes dead in your watch, um, it's crazy. Young people, they used to have batteries and watches. You didn't used to charge your watch. They had actually batteries. It's really wild. Um, they used to have this thing called, called the mail system where you would write a letter is what is crazy the times have have just changed but we, we used to have we used to have things that that we work on if there if your if your car uh is um is is broken and something's wrong you take it to go work on or you do it yourself if you are so inclined the problem is we don't work on ourselves spiritually we we tend to like we, we tend to go hey just kind of work on me just a little bit god just a little bit the problem is, God, when God works on us, he doesn't say, Matt, you did a pretty good job at that. He's not, in, he's not looking at just complimenting me all over the place. If you read God's word and you apply this word to your life, what it says is, oh, I need to work on that. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not talking about carving off some love handles here. We're talking about God saying, hey, I don't like that in your life. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. But sometimes we talk to God that way, don't we? God says, Matt, I really want you to work on this. Or sometimes God says something like this. Maybe he doesn't say this to you. Yes, he does. He says, hey, I really need you to work on your pride. To which I answer this way. Ready? I don't have a problem with my pride. Keep in mind, that response was prideful, thus meaning that I have pride. Okay? And we need to lay our stuff down. We need to be able to be worked on. It's a crazy thing when we ask God, when we, when we pray to God, when we ask him things, and we ask, hey, will you show me something I need to work on? If you've been married and you, and you have a relationship with your, with your spouse, and you ask them questions because you know that they're going to give you the right, or the, 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 like the correct, not the answer that you want. For instance, if I ask Mary, hey, <laughs> my, now my wardrobe consists of about three colors, like blue, black, and gray. Okay, I don't, whatever. But, so most of the time I can generally match. But if I come in and I have something hideous on that does not match, and I ask my wife, hey, babe, does this look okay? If she doesn't think it looks okay, she's not going to say yes. She'll say, no, you look awful. (laughs) Change that, okay? Problem is we don't take criticism well. Anybody, here, I want to show you something. In your job, if you, if you are assessed or if you are observed as far as a, a chart goes of how you're doing your job, um, how many of you just, like, get really excited about that when it happens? No one. So here's the deal. Especially, what if we just schedule that for every Monday? You just get a weekly observation. Heck no. Nobody wants that, but Watch. God is not in the business of saying, you can't do this. He's saying, Matt, I want to help you do your job with the gifts that I've given you to do it to the best of your ability so that I can get the glory. But the problem is, I don't want God to work on my stuff because of the next blank. Look at that with me. What are some things that God is dealing with you to change? This bottom word that's underlined that you have to fill in is literally, literally referred to as a six-letter Christian cuss word. Nobody likes change. I can take you to churches that I've been in in my, in my life and attended when my dad was serving. And I can take you to the pew, and I, people, I'm telling you, I can take you to the exact butt grooves of where people sat. The fact of the matter is, I haven't been in some of these churches for 15 and 20 years, and if those people are still alive, I can tell you exactly where they sit. Now, because you sit in the same seat here at Connection, that's not a big deal, okay? But sometimes we just change it up and move around. But I'm telling you, people do not like change. We don't like change sometimes. If it, if it, alters, if it alters what we really want and, and what we want to do, and it, it infects 
our wants, then that's a problem. But look at this. What are some things that God is dealing with you to change? Well, God's not dealing with me with anything. Yes, he is. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your life is not your own. God wants you to change that life to be able to to, to shape you in the manner that he can make you the most effective piece that he can plug you into a giant puzzle to glorify him and further his kingdom. That's what he wants to do. The problem is we, I know some of you are just first time to connection here, you're like, holy cow, this guy doesn't have shoes on and he's telling me that Americans are spoiled brats. Yeah, I am. American Christians are spoiled. Totally spoiled. And we want to do this. God says, Matt, I want you to change. And we do this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Now, your kids get in trouble when they say that to you. If you don't think so, just the next time you ask your kid to, say, to do something, just tell them it's okay to turn around and tell you no. Some of us have, would have an aneurysm if that happened. Okay? We turn in to little adolescent immature people when God says, I need you to change this, and we go, no, nope, nope, nope. And we do, we answer just like that. God is, what is God dealing with you to change? Do you have a bad habit? Listen, one of these days, I'm gonna, I told the nine o'clock service this, I'm gonna make a box. This is gonna be really cool. It's gonna be totally anonymous. We're gonna deal about habits and stuff like that coming, coming up in this year. And I would like everybody to put in, into this box, totally anonymously, the habits that they've beaten and kicked. Smoking, chewing, drinking, drugs, what, whatever. But it was, it's amazing that we, we do this. We say, God, I'm just right here and I'm just like feeling so bad and I haven't really done anything and I need you to just do this for me because I'm a spoiled brat and I don't want to do anything. The problem is we, we're looking to the future, but sometimes if we're waiting on the future of what God wants us to do, what we need to do is stop. We need to turn around, not go back and not glorify the past, but look from where we came from. I can tell you right now that some of you, many of you, if not all of us, are different people than we were five years ago, and I'm going to tell you that right now for me and for you probably, that's a good thing, spiritually. If it's not, if you've not made improvements then something's wrong, and I will, I'm, listen, I'm just going to say this. It's not God that's changed. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that, because that means that I've changed. Well, yeah, that's why God wants to change you again, okay? Connection's growing. Well, no, it's not. We, we, we just have these, these attendances that go up and down, and sometimes I'm at 11, sometimes I'm at 9, and sometimes I'm, I'm in Arkansas. Okay, fine. That's fine. But connections growing over the last 12 years because we started with about 47 in a gym. 12 years growing to, to, to an attendance that often bumps over 200. And you guys were, some of you were so patient with me. I knew four chords on a guitar and you didn't even have cool screens to read lyrics off. You had pieces of paper. It was horrible. It was, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna it was what we had, right? It was what we had, but it was not ideal. It was not awesome. So what we did is we got the things. We, we said, God, you change us. You move us. You manipulate us into the people that you want us to be, to, in, to, ma- to be magnetic to the people that you want us to be. And we will do, we will be patient, and we will do with what you give us what you want us to do. And there are more people here today. There's more people that have found Jesus in 12 years. Listen, we've had over 70 people. Seven, zero, 70 people, 70 people that have joined this congregation as a member of our church in the last five years. Five years, 70 people. Wow, Matt, you're such a good pastor. Leave me out of the equation. If in 20 years you don't remember my name, but you do remember that God did a work in your life, fine. It's not about me. Because God did a lot of changing with me and my attitude with my ego whenever I was younger. I don't need to do that anymore. But our church is growing. Until we have enough volunteers, I am, because some of you know me, I will not quit asking. One Sunday a month, we ask you to serve in one service and sit in, the, in the another service. One time a month. If everybody volunteered in an area in our church, no one would have, we would have an excess 
plethora, if you will, of workers. So maybe that's something that God's dealing with you with. Look at Luke chapter 2 with me. We're going to, now, I know Luke chapter 2, you're like, oh, the Christmas story is last week. And joy to the world is a Christmas song. Listen, joy to the world, the Lord has come. <laughs> He's here. He's, he has come. Now, why is it important that we continue to study what Luke chapter 2 says? Because Luke, I told you last week, that Luke is not OCD, he's CDO. He's OCD to the point that he puts the letters in alphabetical order like they should be. He's totally crazy about details. He's also a physician. I find it, I would have found it very, very interesting to hear a conversation between a physician and Mary having a child without being intimate with another human. Luke would have been able to interview the shepherds. He interviewed Mary. He interviewed Joseph. Probably when this was written, Joseph had already passed away. See, people, people tell me the Bible's boring. That's just because you haven't looked. Now, Eight days later, in verse 21, eight days later, so Jesus is born eight days later. When the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, and he was given uh, the name he was given by the angel even before he was conceived. Now, we see all these different things. I just want you to memorize, I just want you to, to know this. Mary and Joseph were parents that were following the law to the T. Jesus did not come to do away with the law, but he came to fulfill it. And that means that everything that was required of him by the law, he did. Everything. He satisfied everything. So they followed these laws of dedication. And verse 22 says, Then it was time for the, their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So if you underline in your Bible, so his parents took him. Underline that. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Jesus was a baby. He's not getting to Jerusalem on his own. So if you had toddlers, you understand they can get into anything. That might be a different story. But Jesus is eight days old. That was supposed to be funny. Anyway, he's eight days old. His parents took him. Okay, some of you are sitting there going, sweet, I'm not a parent. Yes, this doesn't apply to me. False. It does. His parents took him. Some of us in this room are different people spiritually because our parents or our grandparents took us to church. I was voluntold. Anybody ever get voluntold? My dad asked me like I had a choice, but I really didn't. He's like, hey, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? I'm like, I don't. I'm like, well, this, is, this is my opportunity. I said, maybe I don't want to. He goes, oh, I didn't really ask you. You're coming anyway. I just thought I'd give you a choice. I was sick one Sunday. Legitimate. Okay, I, like, le- I wasn't legitimately sick. I was legitimately lying. And I told my dad, I said, I said, oh, dad. Oh, I did like the Ferris Bueller, like thermometer on the light bulb. My temperature was like 168. I was doing real good. If you know anything about the human body, that's not good. So that dad goes, hey, do you, are, you, are you sick enough to not go to church? I said, oh, yes, knowing in the back of my mind, knowing in the back of my mind that all kinds of hunting and fishing shows were going to be on ESPN that I never got to watch, that were on Sunday morning, and there was no such thing, people, as DVR. That's the coolest invention in the world. So, so dad goes, well, are, are you sick enough that you're going to get sick? And I physically, I physically made myself ill. Thinking, man, there's nothing that's more convincing than me growing up. I'm getting so out of church this week. That old lady that smells like mothballs is going to teach my class. And I don't have to be around her this week. I mean, that's what's going through my head. I don't want to go to church. My dad goes, did you just get sick? I said, yeah, dad, man, I, I just got sick. He goes, good, now you feel better. Let's go to church. He knew I was lying. He called me on it. Do we let God do that? It's a very serious question. Do you let God call you on that? God, I don't feel like it. God, I just, I just, I just, I just feel the Spirit. Listen to me. If you ever tell God something that you feel the Spirit and it's going against what he said, you have to realize and understand one thing. They're the same person. They don't lie to each other. They don't make that a habit to disagree. Okay? So all this, all this, his parents took him. I wonder what will happen in the next 10 to 15 years. Well, we've already, we've already seen a generation of, of kids, of young people. Um, I had this many children when we started Connection. Zero. Now I have two. They don't know any other church. They, I love that they grow up in, in this, and we have some kids that were little about their age, and now they're in college. 
They're married. What are we going to do? How are we going to teach these children to go and pursue God on a, on a better and a more passionate level? Verse 23 says this. The law of the Lord says this. If a, woman, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. Okay, for the service. In 24, so they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, this is what Mary and Joseph could afford. Keep in mind, I want you to pay really close attention that they offered two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Keep that in mind. One of the offerings that you could give as a sacrificial gift, the, the required the sacrifice of the law, if you had enough money, you could give a lamb. One of the highest offerings that you could get other than a bull, okay? But for a child, the bull was not required, but the lamb could be given. It shows the economic status of the mother and father of the incarnate Jesus Christ. They were of a lower pay scale than anyone in this room, and I don't care what you make. We live in America in 2019. I'm just telling you. We do not live here. They're a very, very, very humble gift. That God did not see status, God looks at the heart. I was asked this morning in between services. Matt, do you think Mary was the first person that, that, that God asked to have Jesus to be her baby? Hmm? <laughs> I was asked this week, listen, if you want to be me, come, please come be me. I was asked this week a very, very easy question. How old is Jesus? You guys are being quiet because you know the answer. I'm not going to give you an answer. How old is Jesus? I don't know. He always has been. But our kids are asking these questions. Why? Because the parents take them to church. Because the parents are letting them and, and pushing the word of God into their lives and teaching them. Look at, uh, look at your worship handout, the next, the next blank. Our job is to raise and teach children, or teach younger people, about what God requires. Some of, uh, some of our young people that you, have, that you have, if you have kids here and they're in the back, I want you to know something. What they see when they go into Kids Rock or Baby Gaff or preschool or wherever they go, this is what they see. They see adults serving. And as much as they come out of class and they show you the craft and they show you the craft, every week we show you the craft. You had birthday cakes for Jesus last week too. Kids Rock does a pretty cool job. As much as they talk about the crafts and talk about the crafts, you know one thing that I will never forget about me, my parents taking me to church? It's my teacher's. I will never forget them, barring I have my correct mind until I die. I will never forget Nina Dickey and Ruth Ewing and Laura Davis. I will never forget, I will never forget them because they taught me what they knew about a God that loved them so much that it required them to show me how much he loved me. And as a result, God performed a miracle in my life. The miracle in my life, one of them is I'm not dead. The other miracle is somehow, somehow, he, he uses a, he used a really, really messed up human like me to show people and maybe to teach somebody, even somebody something about his word. And then I, then I ask God to, to change me and I look at him whenever he directs me to a point that he wants me to make better and I look at him and I go, nah, you don't, you're not that powerful. You have that choice, but you're not that powerful. Our job is to raise and teach these young people. Maybe 2020, uh, one of the goals for you is, uh, you know what? I would like to teach other people what God has done in my life. Sweet. Come and talk to me. You can work in Kids Rock. You see how I did that? It was really smooth. <laughs> Listen, we, we need to do that. You if you've been in discipleship group this year, you have seen this happen all the time. Well, I thought John 3.16 just said this. Oh, man, I got this out of it. Wow. Neat. I had somebody come up to me and say, and, and I, know, I know the biblical, like the theological response behind it. Um, I was asking D group, well, if David knew that he could kill Goliath with one stone, why did he pick up five? It's a really cool answer. I'll share with you after church if you want to come and ask me. Okay, I'm not going to give it to you now. You have to stay the whole time. Now, so, <laughs> no skipping today. Our job is to raise and teach these younger people, our kids. It is. It's to teach our kids. My kids understand. 
And there's people in this room right now that go to our connect group that on Wednesday after they get out of school, they have to do one of the most dreaded jobs of any child in the history of America. They have to clean. And they know they have no choice. They're getting voluntold. I passed that on. Okay? I was voluntold, so now I get to voluntold my children. It's great. That's why you have kids, so they can find the remote for you. Okay? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we got a new, Mary got me a new, t- a new, a new TV, and I, like, talk, I talk to the TV, and it pings the remote. It's so cool. But I haven't had to use it because I have him and Lydia. I say, find it. <laughs> Our job is to raise and teach younger people about what God requires. We, are we re- are required to teach them about life stuff? Absolutely. You know what we're also meant to teach them? Lydia and Emma, this is what it looks like when I say something that I shouldn't, and this is what it looks like when I ask you to forgive me and I say that I'm sorry. Oh, well, we don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. You want to teach your kids something about you? Be humble. Always give your, your spouse the credit in front of them. It goes against anything in your brain. But if you want to show your kids what God means to you, be humble. Verse 25, it says this. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. I do not know, other than me being the incarnate Christ that I would like to, that I would like to be, if I could pick another verse in Scripture that I want my name plugged into. You think about this. At this time, there was a man in Jerusalem, and his name was Matt. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. (laughs) Simeon was a priest. Simeon, listen, how would you like to be recorded in the best-selling book of all time as being a man that was devout and righteous? You could probably probably put another characteristic uh, adjective on his name. That he was always trustworthy. That he was... Full of integrity. You see, if Simeon were in 2019 right now and and we drove out in the country and he was on a gravel road, Simeon was so full of integrity that he would use his turn signal on a gravel road with no one there. Look at this dude. He was waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Now that deals with that deals with the, the operation of salvation. Pre-Jesus dying on the cross. Okay, this, it's a deep conversation, but you can see it here. And he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, this is a catch-22 for this guy. Literally, Simeon was promised by God that, Simeon, you will live until you see physically in front of your face the Messiah, Savior of the world. Now, this was cool. Simeon would go home and talk. Hey, how'd it go? Did you see the Messiah today? No. Okay, well, I guess you're going to wake up tomorrow. Okay, God has promised him. Okay, he's promised him. Now, as you're walking along and you're walking along in life, and all of a sudden it was the day that Simeon did see Jesus, and he's like, okay, now it's up in the air. I can go anytime. <laughs> right? So he, he has this, this wonderful, wonderful promised by God. And the, the cool thing is, you know, we don't look at Simeon and go, you're, you're immortal. But in a sense, he totally was. He was immortal before he saw God because God promised him. See, when my God promises something in the Bible, it happens. When he said that he would never flood the earth again, this spring we thought it was getting close, but it didn't happen. He hasn't. When he said that he will never leave us or forsake us, I have physically felt that presence and heard other people talk about that presence, that he is with them, even in circumstances where he should absolutely not be. Or they should have the thinking to share the gospel when their world is falling apart. The cool thing about God is he doesn't break his promises. In verse 27, I wonder if you let the Holy Spirit lead you like this. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. This is Simeon. Now, I wonder, do you need to work on Simeon, like Simeon, and allow the Holy Spirit to move you and to lead you? This is where it gets difficult. God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to serve in Kids Rock. Those kids have like snotty noses and stuff. Okay, cool. Be a part of our security team. I don't want to do security. Okay, cool. Can you run a vacuum? Clean toilets, pop popcorn, brew coffee. 
See, there's going to be very difficult. I'm, I'm going to find something that, that you like to do. I know some people that really like to use Windex. Hey, we have a job for you. <laughs> Would you let the Spirit lead you in 2020, more in your life? Mary and I have always have a, a, one of the same goals is in 2020, we want to spiritually grow. We want to also give more. We want to give financially, we want to give more with our time, and we want to give more so we can further the kingdom of God. And you know what that happens? You, know you know what that looks like? To be really honest, take an open look at my life. You know what that looks like for me when I give more? I'm around them less. I'm being, I'm being for real here. I'm just being open with you. When you say more to do, yes, God, let me move, you are not going to experience the same comforts that you do when you say no. It doesn't happen. Okay, so, so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. Do you know why he was there? Because he let the Holy Spirit lead him there. Think if he hadn't that day. <laughs> Simeon would still be alive. Man, that would stink. He could never die. I'm just kidding. He, he allowed the Holy Spirit to lead him. And in the story, Simeon was there because he allowed the Spirit to lead him. He took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, look at this verse. Look at this yeah, verse 29. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. In 2020, Connection will still remain a church that is welcome for all people. I don't care if you're green, purple, you have polka dotted hair, you don't have hair, it's, it's going away hair. I don't care. I don't care if you have feet. I don't care if you have shoes. I don't care if you wear sandals. I don't care if you like Crocs or hate Crocs. It still doesn't affect the fact that I love you. I don't care what you drive. I don't care what's in your bank account. But when you say that connection is a church for all people, that's exactly why Jesus came. It's for all people. Well, I don't necessarily like what they like. It's not for you to decide. Love them. But I think they stink. Love them. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit beside them in a restaurant. Would they sit beside you for your arrogant attitude? We are called to love all people. Look at verse 32. Look at these things. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, all people. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. 33, Jesus' parents were amazed. How in the world do you amaze Joseph and Mary? They have seen an angel, each a piece separately. Don't be afraid, angels. The shepherds come. Hey, this is that kid that was born. Wow, we didn't give you our address. They, and, and all the things that the shepherds have seen. Amazement after amazement after amazement. And when Simeon says these words about what Jesus is going to be, his parents were amazed at what was being said about him. I wonder if people are amazed by the things that you say about God. Do you need to work on that for 2020? Do you, does your life need to just expel everything and show everybody what God has done for you? In verse 34, then Simeon blessed him. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to, to cause many in Israel to fall. There were some people that weren't willing to change. There were religious leaders that had to take a back seat to Jesus. And look, look he, he, he goes on. And many others to rise. It was the lady, like the lady at the well, that had been married five times, had committed adultery. And Jesus forgave her of her sins and she ran back to the very people that called her all those names and said, you've got to come meet this guy that changed my life. Many will oppose him as he has been sent as a sign from God. Many will oppose him. His own people rejected him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. The deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. When the, when the Jewish leaders brought the lady that it was caught in the act of adultery, probably wrapped in bedsheets, Caught in the act in the Bible doesn't mean anything different than that. Threw in front of Jesus and said, what does the law say to do? The law said to stone her. Jesus said, I don't condemn you. He gets up, he gets on one knee, and he starts writing. Speaking of your heart's deepest things revealed, can you imagine being one of those people that threw that lady in front of, and Jesus all of a sudden, even 2019, Jesus comes to your house and outside in your yard, he uses Roundup and he spells out all the sins that you've ever committed in your front yard. I guarantee you, you would have a tractor blade there today erasing it. Everything will be revealed. Nothing can hide from him. Look at the, look at the last blank. This new year is upon us. What changes in your spiritual life does God want you to make? 
Listen, I'm telling you right now, if in 10 years you go, you know what? I went to that church that one Sunday. That guy had no shoes on and they served popcorn. I forget his name. But that, that day, I understood how much God loves me. I don't give a new truck if you remember my name. I don't, I don't care how much. I don't care how much you forget about this guy. Well, did he have shoes on or not? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't care. That doesn't matter. What matters is, do you know that this happened so that the cross could happen, so that God could raise him from the dead, so we could make changes in our spiritual life to grow closer to him? So this new year is upon us. Now, I want to say something really, really quick, and then I'm going to ask you to do something that's way out of your comfort zone, and some of you won't want to do it, and that's, that's, total, literally, that's totally fine. We've had a tragic accident in our, in our church this week, and many of you know what that is. If you, hey, Zinni, you ain't bring that. We've had a tragic accident in our, in our church. And I'll share a little bit about this. We are not going to pray over a blanket because this is, material, this is a material item, okay? Total material. We're going we're gonna, to, instead of praying over that, we're going to ask, you know, the God that spoke creation into being to heal and to have a miracle in Ella's life. And in my friend Melissa's life. Melissa is my friend that I taught with at Summersville. She teaches up at field grade school right now. She has a triple, she was diagnosed with triple negative and some type of breast cancer. And without a miracle from God, she will not live. She's a believer. I asked her, I said, hey, what, if I just be really general, could we pray for you as a church? She goes, general? She goes, listen to me. I know who Jesus Christ is. You tell him my name, who I'm married to. By the way, she's seen her husband come to Christ over the last few years. She said, I'm not afraid of dying, but I just, I just, I refuse to believe that God can't cure me. So we're going to ask God to do that. Um, she's a great lady. Um, but I want to I show you this. It's, I got to see, I, got, I went to the hospital to see Ella yesterday. And uh, her room is decked out with frozen, Oop, upside down. So we're going to not pray over this blanket, but as a church, we're going to gather together in the front. And if you would, Clyde, I would like to ask you to come so that we can lay hands on Clyde. And we are just going to pray for Clyde and his family. If you want to come. You can just, you can have that. You can get that after church. That goes to Miss Ella. Ella was about right here during a child dedication service that we had a few years ago. And I, and I prayed with her. And when I do the child dedications, I research their name. And her real name is Ella Rhea. Am I pronouncing that right? Ella Rhea. You want to take a stab at what the translation is on Ella Rhea? It means miracle. This family needs your prayers. If we're a church that says that we're a church for all people, then we are going to show that. We are a praying church. We are, we are not a church that we're not asking God for magic. We're asking God for his hand. And we're asking God spiritually and biblically correctly in his son's name that he would perform those miracles so that he alone would get the glory. So, Clyde, if you would come stand here. If there's anybody that wants to come, um, you come and, and put your hand on Clyde's shoulder. And if there's not going to be any room, come on, if you want to. Um, if you get close and just, if you can't make it in, then you put your hand on that person's shoulder in front of them and that person in front of them. So, Zach, I want you to pray for... Um, Ella, you pray for Melissa after he's done. And whenever I close us in prayer, uh, we will be dismissed. Okay? Go ahead. Amen.
so it's got energy you can give it. Really close and Melissa, but you do things that will grow the people around her closer to you. And that Jesus cures her daily. God, we love you. We lift Ella and Melissa and their families up to you, God, and uh, we know that you are a God of miracles. You are the God that can. And God, I ask when the doctors say that they can't, help these families to understand that they don't. the doctors don't have the final word you do. God, I do pray in Jesus' name that you would provide a healing and Ella and Melissa, God, that so that you might receive the glory. God, that, that doctors would just be flabbergasted at what, what you've done with the sheets and the grafts and the tumors or the other things that they think are just in the way. God, that you just do away with them. You are a physician. We believe in you, God. We know that you can. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.